Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of comics that come out this week. And yes, yes. folks, comics still come out. Despite everything, nothing could stop the comics. Comics yeah. come out, but we don't come out of our apartments and homes because we're not <laughs> supposed to. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. We are definitely not doing this one in person, uh, but we are feeling very personable about this collection of comics we're going to be talking about today, including Spider-Man number one from Marvel Comics, written by Carla Pacheco and art by Per Perez. Spider-Woman. did I say Spider-Man? <laughs> yes. Yes, you oh, did. Oh, my God. I was like, right. wow, deep cut, Alex. Okay, let's get into it. <laughs> by Todd McFarlane. <laughs> All right, let's talk. Uh, wow, by definitely my fault, uh, particularly because I really like this issue a lot, so I feel yes. real bad about that. This is a new start for Spider-Woman. She is attending a birthday party, and things go horribly wrong. How'd you feel about this one? I, this was so fun. It's so extreme. Uh, like... I love that we sort of get thrown into the action. She, uh, Spider-Woman's acting odd and feels a little sick. We don't know. And then she does a bunch of, like, wild, uh, fucked up things. Um, <laughs> throws the, a car onto a boat, uh, which was cool. Um, yep. And then we get, f- that story ends, and we get sort of the backstory that led us up to that, from connecting the past continu- continuity to this one. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I really like the setup. I loved her tone. The the person who's writing this is so fresh and feels so new. It's a great number one. Like, I loved how she throws that kid at the bad guy. Oh, it was just so great. So great. Yeah, it was super fun, and it got deep, and it got to a very dark place by the end that was interesting. Uh, like you mentioned, I love the stuff of the backup story that really teases some bigger things that are potentially going to be going on. This is a fun beginning and i'm definitely on board also how do you feel about the new spider woman costume that's what i was just gonna say i like it a lot i like it better actually mm. oh wow i know the the old costume is sort of the iconic look uh yeah. but this feels uh suddenly it feels both more uh like connected to the the spider family spider universe but also new and has a little edge to it yeah I agree. Uh, all right. Next one to talk about. This is from Boom Studios, Firefly number 15, written by Greg Pak and illustrated by Lalit Kumar Sharma. Uh, we have been loving this title here on the show. It has been super so fun. Long. Mal has become sheriff of a small planet. He has been working for Blue Sun, and I always blank on the name of this, but essentially like... 
the Federation or the Confederacy or whatever it is that rules all the planets. <laughs> so he feels like he's betraying his morals a little bit, but he's also finally getting time to romance Inara the way that he wants to. Um, mm. This is great. This continues to just be so, so good. Yeah, I've been really impressed with this new Firefly run with Greg Pak at the helm. I, I love how we're spending time with different characters, and it's not all over the place. I, I've been really impressed with this, and the character Pete, development you're like a, you're great. like a Pac man. You're just wandering around mm. the world, eating up little different comic books, uh, like pellets. Um, I see what I you've done it. there. No, I get what you're getting at. <laughs> really left me hanging there, guys. Uh, yeah. I like this not a lot interested. too. No thanks. I no thanks. <laughs> not yeah, interested. No thanks. Thank Please you, stop. but no thank you. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> um, what, what I love about this is uh, there are a ton of um, comic books now that take a licensed property and sort of extend the continuity. It was a big thing with Buffy, with uh, X Files uh, did it, like um, a, a couple other shows. What I like about this is G- Greg Pak is doing is really taking the character and extending the character development which I don't think happens as, as much in the other books. Those other books extend the plot. And the idea of making Mal um, a, a sheriff, part of the law, like really activates so many parts of his character and puts him in such an interesting place. It's so smart. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's great. Next one to talk about. This is a big one. Robin, 80th anniversary, 100-page, super Robin. spectacular Robin. by... <clears throat> Written by Mark Wolfman, Chuck Dixon, Devin Grayson, Tim Seeley and Tom King, Judd Wittick, Adam Beechin, James Tyner IV, Amy Wolfram, G. Peter J. Tomasi, Robbie Thompson. Art by Tom Grubbett, Scott McDaniel, Dad Jurgens, Michael Janine, uh, Dustin Wynn, Freddie E. Williams II, Javier Fernandez, Damian Scott, Jorge Jimenez, and Raymond Villalobos. Uh, this is... Like the rest of these early 80th anniversary specials and anthology format, um, the thing that I thought was particularly cool about this one is they got old teams together to tell stories that were like vintage Robin stories. Yes. And I think this might have been my absolute favorite of all the 80th spectaculars. Wow. I 100% agree. I, I was going to say the exact same thing. This one is so well put together. They picked up teams from different era, and each team that really had a defining run on a certain era of the particular Robin and uh, had them come back to tell a story. It was a lot about um, smart takes on the moments in the the different Robins' lives that I thought was great. Man, I just loved almost every story in here was excellent. Yeah, it was really impressive. Usually with a collection, there's some hit or miss stuff, but this was really top to bottom well done. A lot of amazing stories. It's great to see people come back and still kill it just like they did on their runs. I was really impressed with this. The yeah. um, the Dick Grayson, Agent 37 story was Yeah, so that was the one that I was going to call good. out to. Oh, so good. I love that. I love Dick Grayson. I love the Agent 37 era. It felt like such a smart way to... Do have Dick Grayson still be in the universe, but not have to be being Nightwing or in the Bat family? And man, this story was just perfect. Yeah, yeah, uh, that one was really good. I really like the James Tynan story as well, that served almost as a prelude to his run on Detective Comics. The Super Sun story was fun as well. Yeah, it was. Um, but even the earlier stories too. I, I like the Stephanie Brown story. I like the Damien yeah. story. They were just great. I feel like the first two for me were. Um, 
my least favorite only because it was not an era that I knew quite as well, where I was like, okay, this is good, this is good. But yeah. by the time they hit the third story, that was the point where I was like, yes, I get this. I know these Robins. These are so, so good. And all of the characters, it's so funny because they look so similar, but they're all so different, and everybody just nailed their different characters across the board. The Jason Todd story by Judd Winnick and Dustin Wen mm-hmm. is so good also, like, truly heartbreaking, and it really was... Jason Todd sort of gets uh, the bad uh, vibes, I feel like. He's not... Very few people are like, my favorite Robin, Jason Todd, the Red Hood, because he's like the bad one, the bad boy. This story was so smartly done to make you really feel for him when he's the the young Robin, and then see it reflected in the way he is now. Just, it I, I, like brought me to tears, and, you know, Judd Winnick doesn't write yeah. a lot of comics anymore, and it's this story was excellent. Yeah. Great stuff. Moving on to another one from Image Comics, Undiscovered Country, number five, written by Scott oh Snyder and Charles Soule, art by Giuseppe Camicoli and Leonardo Marcello Grassi. This is taking place in a future society where America has been walled off as a couple of adventurers from outside have discovered things have gone Biz knockers inside America. Mm. There are several walls that are leading to deeper and deeper paths through America. And here we're still in the first section of America where they're battling a, a creature, a thing called the Destiny Man, and slowly working their way inside to try to get through the first wall. I say this every issue, but I cannot believe how much I do not understand what's going on. <laughs> you are. It gives me chills to read at the same time. Well, what I love about this is that we're a couple weeks away from this, so it's nice to sort of get a preview oh, of how man. the world's oh, yeah. going to be. Come on, guy. It I think I met... Fi- I met the Destiny Man today. <laughs> oh, like, I'm, I'm telling you. I rode a well. I rode yeah. a well. Yeah, I saw you. Uh, so cool. Yeah, uh, yeah this is... Keeps getting creepier and creepier, uh, but it's done in such a way where you don't care. You don't know what's going on. It's very impressive that they can pull this off for so long. And I think the fact that two people are writing this really helps this because they've really come at a lot of different angles to keep us entertained and moving forward in a way that's not like, I'm sick of this. So I'm really impressed with this. I have and a question for you. It's just phenomenal. Great art. Agreed. I have a question for you, Pete. Um, when you say it gets creepier and creepier, do you mean the mystery? I don't know what you uh, – you use the word creepier a lot, and I'm curious what you mean. Well, in this, the transportation keeps getting creepier and creepier. Uh, <laughs> but also, like, <laughs> the more we know about the main character also gets creepier and creepier, or the guy who's pinning different antlers on himself. Uh, so it's yeah. like – that's what I mean by creepy. I got you. Um, yeah, I like this a lot, too. I agree with you, Alex. I don't quite know what the whole story is. It's There's so much going on that it's hard to hold it all in your brain at any time. Um, but it is good, and it's the back matter that um, that Charles and Scott write at the end about just their process and how they are developing the book. And this one was about the, them taking meetings uh, in Hollywood to develop this for uh, as a feature film are really interesting as well. Uh, I'm yeah. a little worried that it's going to be revealed because sometimes when a series ends, like it reveals, oh, like, oh, it was just a crazy person in the same asylum the whole time. You know, I'm worried what it's just going to kind of that? like <laughs> zoom out and it's going to just be Trump's uh, hair. Okay. Yeah, just reveal your work here. How about a name, name five series. 
that do that. It's going to be in a snow globe. Alex, a ton mm-hmm. of series that are like on God's yeah. fingernail, tap dancing. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Snow right, right, globe. Right, right. Okay, you're right. You know what, Justin? I buy what you're saying. Pete, a dream. I'm, woke up by New Heart wakes up from a dream and is like, undiscovered country. I just dreamed yeah. that. Yeah, that was a good episode of that show. Yes. Outlaw number one from Marvel Comics, written by Eve L. Ewing and art by Kim Jensen. Uh, oh, wow, I messed that up. Jacinto. Uh, <laughs> I like how surprised you were. Oh, <laughs> it's like someone poured a cold glass of water down your back. It is a very easy name to say, and I did it as wrong as possible. <laughs> hey, go hard or go home, baby. Uh, so this is leading on to a big champions event where the young heroes of the Marvel universe have not exactly been outlawed, but kind of been civil warred. Like the, there's a lot of strong characterizations of this issue is the kick it off. The downside is that it feels like a remake of civil war to me. Yes. A hundred percent. I agree with that completely. It definitely, it felt like a, Less uh, controversial version of the Stanford incident that set off Civil War, where uh, the New Warriors, who were filming a reality show at the time, um, blew up and a bunch of people died, um, including many of the characters. And uh, and this felt like that, but a less like, oh, we're not going to kill a bunch of people uh, version uh, of that. But I, I will disagree. say I did like it still. I disagree. Yes. I think the yes. art makes it so much more different and sets up a different tone. I can understand what you guys are saying, but uh, I didn't get hints of that at all. Uh, but I'm, I, I can't say enough about the art and the storytelling in this. It's really great. It's worth it alone. But this is very interesting. And I'm excited to see where this goes. What I like about it in comparison to the uh, kickoff to Civil War is with that, the story got so big so quickly, and we didn't get mm-hmm. to actually follow the characters who were involved in the incident at all, because many of them died, obviously, but we only saw Speedball become Penance, which nobody liked. Yeah, we did. Um, and uh, this, I feel like we're going to get to wa- follow all the characters as they sort of sort out what's happening. It is weird to me, and not to review a comic that doesn't happen to this comic, but one of the end results and one of the things that they're leading into is a new do warriors series where most of the people who caused civil war are now instructing the young heroes of the Marvel universe. And to me, that's fucked up. Like that's a little, <laughs> that's a yeah, little that's, insane for a speedball to be like, Hey kids, I was there. Let me tell yeah. you about it. It's don't like scared, dress, scared straight. Yeah. Don't dress in an iron maiden kids. Don't do it. Yeah. But now he's back to being fun. Speedball where it's mostly yeah. like cocaine. <laughs> DC Comics Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen number well I definitely not number two what was I doing here Uh, number nine I think written by Matt Fraction and art by Steve Lieber I gotta tell you I have been inside for several days and I'm going crazy Uh, so this is another it's just such a good issue of this comic book everyone it is is number nine BT dubs yeah so much fun it intersperses little Jimmy Sort of like Charlie Brown cartoons yeah. uh, with Jimmy Olsen, sort of Calvin and Hobbesy a little bit with what's happening with Jimmy in the present day, which is he's still reporting for the Daily Planet while on the run from people who want to murder him. Um, there is a thing at the beginning of this comic that I I loved it. Like, I love the beginning of this comic. I love the Calvin and Hobbesy thing, but it starts off with Jimmy reporting on Arms Falling Off Boy, yeah. who is 
now just all he wants to do is go to the Bottle City of Candor amusement park. And his whole family wants to go, and they all have different parts of them falling off. And it just cuts to, it's such a cinematic thing, but it cuts to Perry White being like, this is too weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which made me laugh what, so hard. What I love about it is uh, Matt Fraction takes, because that's an actual part of DC continuity, the arm fall off boy is, I think, a member of the Legion. And I think he's um, a species, the entire species of people, their body parts fall off. So, I, right. like... Matt Fraction is just taking something sitting there in the DC universe and being like, yeah, you think you're just going to make this up and not let, have me make fun of it? Here you go. There's also uh, such a crazy throwaway joke in there where Jimmy is reporting for the Bottle City of Kandor, which I guess, I don't know if this actually happened in continuity or he just mentioned this, but Kandor grew back to normal size and is in middle America somewhere. Uh, Jimmy very casually mentions that in the Bottle City of Kandor, there was a smaller shrunk bottle that was just full of Kandorian snakes, Kryptonian yes. snakes, which yeah. is just this tossed off detail that, again, is just such a funny joke. Very funny. Um, the other the, thing I loved the the last story is um, Jimmy uh, uh-huh. Scuba. Sorry, you, what do you want to say? Pete, that? Is this what you wanted to talk about? Well, no, I just want. Yeah, I wanted to get be able to talk a little bit about the comic. You guys are having fun going back and forth, but we are right. having a good time. Go ahead, we Pete. are having well, fun. have fun with us. Pete, get uh, in the mix here. It's your turn. Yeah, thank you, thank you. The little Olsen's and now is it's fun. time for a little section we like to call Pete's turn. <laughs> Uh, the Pete's Oaks. turn, Pete's turn, party time, Pete's turn. <laughs> no, seriously, uh, go ahead, Pete. Pete it I is, wanna, it is I actually honestly want to hear you what just you cut me off say. three times. It's fine. I don't That's the theme song to Pete's turn. I'm so sorry. We have to. We cut put you that off in the one time, notes. shame on you. Cut you off two times, shame on us. Cut you off three times, we win. <laughs> um, Pete, what did you think of this comic book? Jimmy Olsen's uh, comic book. Little Olsen's was fun, but other than that, it was a piece of shit. <laughs> you made us stop so you could say that. Why did you, wow. why did you wait to say that? Well, you guys are having so fun jerking each other off, so I didn't want to interrupt. You, you did want to interrupt, and you did see you hated the Oh, man. And that has been Pete's turn. Pete's turn. <laughs> um, what I was going to say, uh, I liked the last, uh, the joke of the in the last story where um, Jimmy Olsen swims up in a scuba suit, takes it off. Very that was John, an awful James, story. James there was Bond no point way. to that. White tuxedo underneath, goes plays poker with Lex Luthor, is bad at it. Very funny. And then he walks out and takes the tux off, scuba suit underneath. Yeah. Very fun. Very good. It's all just leading into bits while very occasionally seating in the plot. It's so much fun. Have a little fun, Pete. Come on, live a little. No like way. the people do in Image Comics Tartarus number two, written by Johnny Christmas and art by Jack T. Cole. There's a backup story Johnny called Christmas. Life, written by Stephanie Cook, and art and letters by Megan Huang. Now we I mean, I think I love the first issue of this. I don't know. I don't remember what our consensus was, but like, I think at the very least, we thought it was beautiful and insane. Um, yeah. I think Pete said he liked the little Tartarus stuff, but the rest was a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to say that the life thing was really awesome as well. Before yeah. we start talking about the backup. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, we could talk about the backup first. So this is a mostly wordless backup uh, that yes. shows. 
uh, just as exactly what it says, like a whole life cycle. I, I agree. I thought this was a fantastic short story. Very cool. Yeah, it's very powerful, really well done. It was some, just really great. Yeah. The main story is picking up uh, where we left off the last issue. There's a badass woman fought her way out of a prison under the ground, uh, a.k.a. Tartarus. She gets out there, is defeated, but she has a daughter, I believe, who survives, essentially gets framed for her crimes, or they believe she's a criminal in a similar way. And this picks up with her escaping and trying to get out away from this planet, away from Tartarus. Um, the art, to me, continues to be the standout here. Just the so designs good, yeah. are superb. So great. Sort of psychedelic, uh, like I think we talked about last time, like Mobius-influenced uh, art. And yeah, I agree. It's very cool. Yeah. Also, they do a really good job of like storytelling within the panel. There's like little circles, little things that highlight things that the characters are doing. It's really great. Yeah. Next one to talk about another sci-fi book, Ascender Number 10 from Image Comics oh. by Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wind, Storytellers. Uh, oh, now, boy. this is, as we mentioned, every issue, but it's picking up on Descender. It's leading to a magic world instead of a sci-fi world. We've been following this little girl who is the daughter of one of the main, two of the main characters from the Ascender series, who's trying to make her way through this magical world. She got separated from her dad, previously thinks that he's dead, and that's where we're picking up. Oh, my God, this was so good, and I don't... I think we'll probably spoil the last page, but the last page made me gasp with joy. Uh, I, I, again, I know I just said this, but uh, tears filled my eyes. Maybe I'm feeling emotional, but this, yeah. like, I can't believe the reveal of uh, what happens on the last page, which is just a character showing up, made me, like, so emotional. But, like, man, this, every issue of this comic is so good. So many great emotional moments, really well drawn um, uh, by I mean, Dustin Wen. Last page aside. The, the whole, like, mom-dad thing, kill me so I don't turn into a mindless vampire, so powerful. I'm surprised yeah. that that so wasn't in, the thing that moved In this you. magic world, the mom has been, de- she's a cyborg. She's been turned into a vampire, so she's a vampire cyborg, which now, is already I will say, that sounds crazy, especially on the heels of saying <laughs> this was super emotional. And we're like, so there's this vampire cyborg. And she, <laughs> uh, like, but still, it's, it gets there. Yeah, and as Pete was saying, uh, her, I would say, true love is, like, trapped in a cage. She ends up feeding on blood, getting herself back for a little bit, and he's like, come on, we got to go save our daughter. Let's go do it. And she's like, no, I'm just going to get hungry again, and I'm going to lose myself. You have to kill me. And like you were saying, it's just so emotional and gets to the core. Dustin wins art. Is, the way that he draws the characters and the ways that he lays things out is... So stunning so and cinematic good. as well. It's wonderful. Yes. Yeah. It's a uh, hell this, of a choice to make. It, this book is great. And we're going to take a break from this and pick it up right afterwards. Hey, Alex here. Remember that feeling when you'd subscribe to comics, get one in the mail, and it felt like you were receiving solid gold? Well, what if you could get that feeling, but with actual gold? Thanks to this week's sponsor, Acre, you can. Acre is the new subscription platform for gold. Acre lets you make small monthly payments and then sends gold straight to your doorstep every few months. You subscribe to comics, right? Uh, And maybe someday you'll sell them if the paper doesn't dissolve and the staples don't fall out. It's expensive, unlike Acre, which is affordable. You don't have to pay out of your pocket all at once. 
It's convenient. Just set up the subscription and forget about it, and you will get, no joke, physical gold bars mailed to your doorstep. Acre Branded Gold is of the highest quality, designed in California and minted in Switzerland, my favorite state and favorite country, respectively. It's safe and simple with gorgeous packaging and excellent customer service. And here's how it works. You subscribe for just $50 a month. That's right. No need to break the bank. Start buying gold for just $50 a month. And there's even a $30 per month option. Even less breaking of the bank. Then you watch your gold grow. It's like watching that stack of unread comics grow dangerously next to your bed. Except guess what? Acre will keep you updated on your gold stash as you make progress. And once your gold stash reaches the price of 2.5 grams Acre Gold Bar, they will discreetly ship you your gold. Most of all, you're in control. You can easily cancel or modify your plan to suit your needs at any time. No epic crossovers where you have to buy all the issues. Just gold, gold, gold. Find out more by going to the link in our show notes and start your Acre Gold subscription today. All right, back for the break with Dr. Tomorrow, number two from Valiant Comics. This is written by Alejandro Arbona and art by Jim Tao. Um, I think we liked the first issue pretty well. Well, I just want to say before we move into the next comment, I would say what a nice break that was. I was just, I feel so refreshed. Was that good? Do you, you feel do. It's nice to kind of walk away a little bit, you know, get refreshed and then come back. You know? Yeah, for those of you who are listening, we took a full week off during that break and really <laughs> thought about everything we'd done. Really want to recontextualize ourselves. And I yeah, yeah. think about the rest of these titles. Think about, we're yeah. going to go back and we're going to re review all of the comics that we did in the first half of the second yeah. half of the show. Smarter, pithier Salva, reviews. What comic are we talking about again? Uh, great question, Pete. Thanks for asking. Dr. Tomorrow, number two, now Doc, from Valiant Comics. So in the first issue of this comic, a character named Dr. Tomorrow uh, traveled to an alternate reality where he recruited a younger version of himself to help battle an evil guy named Hadrian, who had also come to this universe. This issue, we get a lot more explanation about it. They muck it up with a bunch of time walkers who we've seen previously in the Valiant universe. Um, I enjoyed this. I thought this was a lot of fun, and I think I I liked it better than the first issue. I liked it better, but I'm sort of still waiting for the other shoe to drop here. It yes. feels like Dr. Tomorrow is, he seems like a good guy, but it also, this plan doesn't make sense. It's something is wrong here. And I just think it's so odd that the two full issues have gone by and there's been no tip. Uh, like is Dr. Tomorrow a villain? Because yeah. something's up here. I really like this. I also think it's interesting the way they deal with kind of like, if your self came back from the future was like, hey, we've got to go do this thing. It's like, sure, but you came to my timeline and I got a baseball game. And that's kind of important to me. You know, so I, I yeah. liked how they're dealing with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Come come get me when in like 20 years when like the quarantine is here and I'm not busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I'll come help you. I'll, time. I'll come fly yeah. around. I agree with you, Justin. It definitely feels like he's a villain. He's working with Hadrian, and we're going to find that out pretty soon. I don't know why it doesn't like. There's no plot thing that indicates that, but it just no. it feels like that. Throughout. It feels that way. Yes. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, next up from Boombox, Wicked Things Number One, created and written by John Allison, art by Max Sarin. I love this book. Of course, I, you did. Of course I did. Well, this yeah. is. I feel like we've been reading a lot of John Allison stuff. I think he does. Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting what it is. It's like Mercy Road or something. It's about the Satanists mm. living in that small town. Love that um, book. 
at a couple of other things. This is about a teen detective who's a little more goth than Nancy Drew, but she's about that age, who ends up going to the teen detective award show and, of course, gets embroiled in a murder. Um, the characters are just so much fun in here. I love the situations, love the art. I cannot wait to read more of this. Yeah, I, I really like this as well. It was so interesting. It almost, and I'm, I mean this as a compliment, other people might take it as an insult. It felt like a really good improv show where like wow. where each each thing was um a world was established and each move felt original and odd and funny and it felt like it, each scene had a little like a game to it and then it moved through before we get to the inevitable murder and how that's going to be a fun thing for this character to be in uh, really fresh uh storytelling really liked it yeah i really liked the art and the storytelling and it's kind of like, okay, fish out of water type of thing. But I liked all the choices, and uh, I really was impressed with it. Uh, also, I'm dying to know what's in the box. What's in the box? What's oh, in the box? she's holding a box at some point later in the issue? Yeah. yeah. Is that what you mean? Okay. Yeah, she gets a gift. The rule yeah, red box. Go. What's in the we'll box? We'll find out. We'll find but, out. Indeed. Uh, great book. Definitely pick it up if you're looking to get on board with something new and fun. Uh, from Dark Horse Comics, here's another number one. Starship Down, number one. Story by Justin G.M. Piaula and art by Andrew Moody. Uh, this is about a scientist called to a remote Arctic location. Never a good idea when you're a scientist mm, in a sci-fi no. story. Yeah, never go. Gets there. Unless it's a, disc- like a penguin, a penguin thing, don't go to the uh-huh, Yeah. You, you gotta, uh, when they give you a call, they're like, hey, we got something you're not gonna believe this. You gotta ask, is this a penguin thing? And if yeah. they the say no, thing. you say, thank you so much. Have a lovely day. Yeah. Please remember um, to call me when a penguin thing comes up. This is one of those <laughs> books that unfortunately is spoiled earlier in the book, which is disappointing. Like they showed the spacecraft reveal early on. So when you see it, it's not because the character's like, holy shit. And you're like, oh, that thing we saw on the letters page. Oh, yeah, that got yeah, cool. In the letters page? Well, they revealed the ship early on in the book. It was like, oh, you mean in the credits page? Not credits page. You flipped yeah, sorry. to the ad. Sorry. You fuck okay, you, you no, fucking no. fuck. Also, they kind of reveal it in the title, which is Starship Down. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought it was Watership Down, but for space. Yeah, for space. It's about rabbits, eventually. Uh, This definitely feels like an opening chapter to me. I mean, I'm curious to see where they go from it from here. But it does take a while, to Pete's point, getting to that reveal of the spaceship. There is another reveal that happens after that. Uh, But I think the art is good. If you are into that sort of Arctic disturbing sci-fi adventure type thing. It's definitely heading down that road. Um, so that'll be fun to read. I think as things slowly start to fall apart. Um, yeah. but again, right now it's like, this is the first 10 minutes of the movie. Let's see when we start getting to the action. Right. Ooh. But it's in a comic book form. Right. Next one to talk about from Marvel Comics, Iron Age 2020, number one, written by Tom DeFalco, Fonda Lee, and Christopher Cantwell. Art by Nick Roche, Damian Cuchiero, and Matt Harak. This is picking up on the current Iron Man 2020 arc where Arno Stark is trying to quell a robot rebellion. This is dealing with three different tales from the robot rebellion. I don't quite get this whole robot rebellion thing, to be honest with you, but I thought these stories were fun. 
Robots evolve and then kill humans. I don't Alex, know. It's like if your precious iPhone all of a sudden was like, oh, I'm not going to do your phone calls and your little texts and look oh, up man. your pornography I anymore. I would fucking kill it. Well, okay. Well, if I it kills kill you first, it. you wouldn't. What? Uh, do you guys get this? What, what do you think about this? Uh, I mean... I, I think I understand what you mean. It's a little uh, confusing, I guess, what is happening. Um, and this issue was even more confusing um, at points. I think the middle story has a second, more evil robot revolution starting um, yeah. Yeah. that they then defeat. But then the one robot comes back. And so I, I do think we're, it's a little bit in the weeds. Um, I will say I really like uh, Machine Man. And I, there's a great panel in this of him, like, sort of f- flying into action in the first story, which I thought was really cool. And in general, I like the idea of this AI versus humans fight. I just think Arno Stark isn't enough of a character that we want to root for. It's hard to tell whose side we're on yeah. because the robots seem more fun right now. Um, yeah, the cat story was great. Other than that, I didn't really like it. Um, I just think it's one of those things where it's like, in the description, it says Tony Stark revealed to the world that he is AI. Uh, well, then I don't care about you. If you're dead, you're in your AI. It's like, nah, you died, man. You don't get to get your story. Continued. Yeah, that's real cool. Once people die, you don't care about them anymore. You're like, Pete, you've moved on. Well, right? I don't care about an AI version of Tony Stark. You know, and I also don't care about his adopted brother. So this is like... <laughs> A hard sell to begin wow. with, and they didn't win me over. And yet, you run a fan blog for Abraham Lincoln in the Hall of Presidents down in Disney World. So, what the fuck is that about? That's a small world, after all. Yeah, there uh, you go. Gotcha. Uh, I forgot about the cat story, actually. I thought that was great. So, I yeah, kind of yeah. take back what I said a little bit. This is about the cat that used to run Tony Stark's company, who now doesn't have an AI collar anymore, just kind of wanders through town a little bit. Super fun, super fun art. I enjoyed yeah. that quite a bit. Yeah. That was good. Uh, let's move into our final block, which, as always, is our James Tyne of the Fourth block. Uh, kicking it off with <laughs> Batman number 91 from DC Comics, written <laughs> by James Tyne of the Fourth, art by Rafael Albuquerque, Jorge Jimenez, and Carlo Pagulia and Danny Mickey. I cannot. Oh Good. Uh, no. Again, been a very long couple of days. I apologize to everybody out there for banging Ride it names. out. Nailed uh, it. So this is picking up a dual threats to Batman. Actually, so many threats to Batman at the same time. There is a character named the designer who was hired a very long time ago by the Riddler, Penguin, Catwoman, and Joker, I think was the fourth person. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Uh, To come up with a plan to destroy Batman once and for all. That got activated using four assassins who have attacked uh, Gotham City. Right now, Batman is mano a mano with Deathstroke. Meanwhile, the Joker it's mano is mano mano a mano. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> right now, the Joker is running his own thing that's going yeah. on in the background, while the designer is trying to design Batman, and Harley Quinn and Catwoman are trying to help Batman at the same time. There are so many things going on, but they balance it perfectly in this story. Yeah. It's really wow. smartly done. I love the opening page is great. Oh really God. lays out what's happening here about the Joker's talking to a bartender in a place he's like yep. k- killed everybody in. And he's uh, just walking us through the story about how um, a different people walk in to meet the devil, who's the designer here, and have yep. a different desire. And it's very smart. Yeah, I really 
like the opening, and I think it's. Gr- but what's crazy is we know the Joker, and we don't know the designer. So it's kind of like this diner's doing his master kind of plan. But I care less about that because I'm more curious what the Joker has going on. Well, mm. I think that's the point. I think that's what he's doing is he being James Tynan is layering in there. The yeah. Is he has <laughs> Batman so focused on the designer that the Joker is getting to build and build his plans in the background. And ultimately, I mean, we'll see what happens. Either it all comes crashing together or Batman is like, yeah, I took down the designer and oh shit. I missed what Joker was doing in the background here. Yeah. And now Gotham is totally screwed. And either yeah. way, Batman is just, he's going to lose. Like, he is set up to no lose. Way. No way. Well, not. he's set up to lose, and that's such a great position to have him in in a story. Now, this book's going to be called Designer pretty soon. I love it. Deny- love Designer's going to be dating um, Catwoman. Uh, so, yeah, this not is cool. great. Uh, last one to talk about, continuing our James Tynan block. Something is Killing the Children, number five from Boom Studios, written by James Tynan IV, art by Werther Del Adaria. Uh, this is kicking off the second arc of the title, where there is a monster hunter in a small town. She thought she killed the only monster in the town that was killing the children, but it turns out there's a couple more there, and not only do we find out more about what's going on in the town and what's going on going forward, but also about the organization that she may or may not be working for in the background. Uh, This is great. Just the mythology of this is great. The designs are great. The art is beautiful. I love it. I agree. The art is so nice here, and uh, it really syncs up well uh, with a TV show I've been watching called The Outsider on HBO that just wrapped up. Very similar tone and vibes uh, to that. So if you like that show, I think you'll really like this comic book. Yeah, I can't say enough about the art and the storytelling. This really moves and does a great job of like revealing things as you go in a creative way. Also, sometimes you got to stop and color with kids. You know, it's a it's a touching moment. Yeah. Absolutely. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Just kidding. We don't do a live show right now. Uh, (laughs) We do do a live show just on the Internet, Alex. And it's at the same time. Yeah. So we are actually streaming our show uh, every Tuesday at 7 p.m., at least for the foreseeable future, to both Crowdcast and also to YouTube on our YouTube channel, Comic Book Club Live YouTube channel, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show, comicbookclublive.com, to check out this podcast and many more. And you know what? We're not going to see you at the comic book shop because nobody's lit outside of their houses. That's true. Uh, Pete, it's Pete's turn. Finish up. Pete's turn. Pete's turn. Deuces. <laughs>